I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Bria Grant. Sword and Laser is a book club, but as you know, it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Veronica Belmont still out on maternity leave, but we're so happy Bria's here. Welcome back, Bria. Hey, thanks for having me. I gave everyone a really dark assignment of a dark book, so I'm excited to talk to you about it today. <laughs> talk about it today. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we know some of you skipped out. That's totally fine. Uh, we're going to talk about that a, a little later. I know some of you found it oddly comforting in a way. Yeah. We're going to talk about that too. Uh, of course, Bria is the co-host of the Reading Glasses podcast, uh, a wonderful podcast that I listen to every week. You and Mallory do a fantastic job on that. Um, well, and one of the you. things you do very well is cover the role of snacking and reading. Oh, yes. It's very near and dear to our hearts. Um, I'm a big snacker. It was a recent uh, milestone in reading glasses that we got a sponsor, uh, a chocolate bar sponsor. <laughs> and I, I felt like it was because I eat. I It is no secret that I eat a, a lot of chocolate. Um, and the, the chocolate bar sponsor was um, just a real high high point of 2020 for me. Achievement unlocked, right? Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, yeah. So instead of the normal, what are we drinking at the beginning of, of Sword and Laser, especially because we're recording this a little earlier in the day, uh, we are going in honor of reading glasses to do what are we snacking? Uh, what are you snacking on, Bria? I am eating dark chocolate. Oh, I said there were chocolate chips, but I, I think they're called Morsels by a Ooh. brand called Enjoy Life. Um I I love this brand. I I talk about it quite a bit. Uh, they are not my sponsor, um, but they uh, yet uh, yet. But enjoy life. Listen, hit me up. I'm happy to talk about it because they're um, I don't do dairy, so they're um, they're allergen friendly, and you can they're gluten free and dairy free, and um, I'm a big fan. A big fan. I like to eat chocolate chips throughout the day. Just take a little handful every so often, and that's. What I'm snacking. What are you snacking on, Tom? I'm I'm snacking on uh, some Nature's Bakery uh, Fig Newton like cookies. They're they're uh-huh. basically Fig Newtons. They're just not the brand Fig Newton. They're they're made of like whole grains and all that sort of thing, um, and they're delicious and good for me. I tell myself, maybe are they fig in the middle? Like is the yes. is the fruit a fig? Okay, the so fruit like is fig actually filling. fig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get Nature's Bakery blueberry fig where they mix blueberries and figs, yeah. but this is just yeah. the fig today. You know what's so weird is I don't like figs really, but I love a fig Newton. It's something about putting it in a Newton, which I guess is the name of the, co- the cookie. <laughs> Are those cookies called Newtons? That's a really good question. Are they <laughs> Newtonizing the fig by wrapping <laughs> the pastry around it? Uh, the no world idea. needs to know. Yeah. Yeah. But- that it makes figs better. Better combine a fig with a Newton. Suddenly, you have something I'll actually eat. It's an excellent fig delivery mechanism. Mm-hmm. I I agree. All right, uh, let's get on to the quick burns. Robin uh, noted that Dune is one of seventeen of the 2021 titles from Warner Media that will air on HBO Max or stream on HBO Max at the same time that they play in theaters, which is 
been very controversial. Oh, wow. Not only uh, the theaters, but some of the people who made the movies. Uh, We got a really good analysis from Trike on this about why they did it. Uh, Trike did some math. Thank you for doing that, Trike. Uh, HBO Max has 38 million subs at $12 per, which is $457 million a month or $5.4 billion a year. Uh, unless this plan incentivizes 100 million more people to subscribe, they won't make as much money as they would in a standard year. However, studios are effectively making $0 at the U.S. box office this year, which will likely continue at least through April and May when Americans start returning to theaters. And there will be a huge glut of films when people do return from theaters uh, and that's unsupportable for them all to be blockbusters. And so that I thought shed a little light about Warner Media why they might want to do this. Uh, but that, I don't think that's going to make a lot of the filmmakers happy. Do you? Yeah. A lot of the filmmakers were not happy for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, uh, I, it didn't affect me as a filmmaker. So I will say like, I, I don't know if I can speak to, to mm. how they're all feeling, but um, yeah, I mean, the other thing that you have that um, I kept thinking about and hearing about was um, there's just way less advertising you have to do when uh, you put something on HBO Max versus putting mm-hmm. in the theater. So they end up saving a lot of money um, on PNA, which is like, you know, if huh. a movie is a hundred million dollar movie, they're also putting $20 million into PNA or something like that. Sure. Like it's like, it's, it's so much money they're putting into that kind of stuff. But if you just throw it on HBO Max, these streamers are kind of um, advertisers unto themselves because you're already on HBO Max. So, you end up saving a little bit of money, I think, in the long run. But yeah, I think the thing is, a lot of these movies are going to be a loss for Warner. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think they're going to, but they won't lose as much. I mean, they've already spent the money. So like yeah. getting some money back, I think, is kind of the idea at this point. I mean, and people are, are actually watching and investing. So, you know, you do go watch Dune or or whatever on HBO Max, and then maybe you'll go watch Dune 2 and it's actually in the theater a couple of years from now instead of, pushing dune off until like you know three years from now or something like that yeah yeah because because it's not like they have entirely stopped down making new movies uh right no. so so they need to keep their schedule from being like like trike said keep it from mm-hmm. being a glut uh and i mean keep in mind that this is subscription revenue for hbo max so right potentially you know we've all done it where we subscribe to something and forget like this is money that keeps coming in unlike yeah. a theater where you you pay your money you see the movie and then you're done that money doesn't keep coming yeah um this by the way this analysis of how much they're making is shocking to me i had no idea that that you make like they were making like 5.4 billion dollars a year on hbo max for some reason i don't think of it as as big as that but of course it is i i i of course, that makes total sense. I just never thought about putting the numbers to it. No, I know. We same same here. I mean, I I intellectually knew like, oh, subscriptions are good because it's ongoing revenue that keeps coming in. But I had never done the math of thirty eight million times twelve. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah. 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 It's it's no, a good no in, it's in a good income stream um, yeah. for <laughs> for them. Um. Jan wrote in uh, to let us know we have uh, the winners of this year's Goodreads Choice Awards. Um, uh, best fan- I'm, I have to say I'm kind of embarrassed because I haven't read a lot of these. But um, <laughs> Best Fantasy Novel goes to House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Moss. Uh, best Science Fiction Novel goes to uh, Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher um, pa- 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 Paolini. And Paolini, um, the best... Right. 
Yeah, the best young adult fantasy and science fiction goes to The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. And then also, randomly, uh, the best fiction book is a... um, is a sci-fi fantasy book, which I did read. Uh, the Midnight Library by Matt Haig um, is a like speculative, they call it speculative fiction. It's uh-huh. it's like kind of, I keep describing it as like, um, uh, it's a wonderful life, but you know, it's like a young woman and she's like seeing all these other versions of her life. So I guess it is a little speculative, but it is also definitely like fantasy as well. So it's yeah, it sounds like concept. it's a genre somehow. It's definitely a genre. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's no, you know, unicorns or anything like that. But <laughs> it's about a young woman who um, is like, I, I'm not happy with where my life is. And she goes to this library and they're like, here are all the other paths for your life that it possibly oh. could have taken. And she opens a book and she gets to see that version and et cetera. That reminds me of that Italo Calvino novel that I can't remember the name of now, where each chapter is a different style of book, but it's telling the same story all the way through. Oh, that's cool. I've never read that. Yeah. I'll try to remember what the name is of that. But yeah, I I love that idea of like alternate versions of the same character. And of course, it's got books in it. So what's not to love? Yeah. Yeah. I I know for Reading Glasses, that was a book that a lot of people really liked. And Mm -hmm. um, oh, and also I think one of the I think Mexican Gothic got something I was looking. Is it debut novel? Yeah, they have a bunch of different categories in there. Yeah, uh, there was, there was. oh, it's Best Horror. Mexican Gothic, I think, got Best Horror. Yeah, um, by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which was one of my favorite books of the year. And Reading Glasses, it was their top, the Glassers, when they voted, it was their top book of the year times, like, like it got twice as many votes as everyone else. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's a great one. And it it is definitely horror, but it has, you know, some um, uh, fantastical elements to it for those interested. Yeah, they also have like young adult fantasy, middle grade children. Looks like it's kind of a fantasy uh, stuff. So go check that out at the Goodreads Choice Awards. We'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, Rob noted an article on Polygon that was explaining what's going on with The Expanse. We heard that they're only doing one more year, one more season of The Expanse television show, but there's more books than that. Uh, And Rod noted an article saying that it will only go on pause after its concluding season on Prime Video. Uh, the expanse is not really canceled. Uh, I think the general gist says Rob is that Alcon, the the production company is interested in trying to do something with the final three books after the series concludes. So maybe movies or something like that. Uh, in fact, from this polygon article, uh, author Ty Frank, who is half of James S.A. Corey, uh, said Alcon is very committed to the IP. They have lots of plans. We'll see what happens after that, but we will have a satisfying story to the TV arc in the sixth season. So a conclu- good conclusion, it sounds like. Uh, nice. I need to catch up on that show, but that's that's good. I'm glad. And it's good yeah, to know that it's going to have like just a final. premiered. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what um, I saw people talking about it on Instagram. Did you ever read any of the books? I didn't ever read any of them, which is not like me. But I know, I, Wheelhouse, I love, right? Space I, it's definitely my wheel, wheelhouse for sure. And, it, and it's, you know, kind of hard sci-fi, mm-hmm. which I enjoy as well. Um, but no, I never read any of them and I, I should, I'm a little jealous that you haven't read them because now you get to read them for the first time. Cause I really <laughs> like these books. Uh, HBO, uh, Mark wrote in to say that HBO is planning to reboot, uh, true blood, the television series based on the vampire novel novels by Charlene Harris, which is pretty exciting. Um, 
Did you watch that? Did you watch that show or read the book? I did. I watched the I the original Alan Ball run, and I guess Alan Ball is going to be involved. He won't be the showrunner on this, but he'll be involved in this. So it's hard to tell if it's actual reboot or they're going to just explore another area of the world. Uh, my wife was a huge fan of this. She had a a, a podcast called Bike Club Show <gasps> where they would wow. talk about True Blood and Vampire Diaries and all that that sort of stuff. So. A lot of people are very skeptical about what this means because they, I, it's only been six years since it went off the air. Right. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um, it feels like it was so much longer ago. And even looking at this picture makes me feel like it was so long ago. But yeah, I was already living in L.A. and I'm pretty sure I auditioned for this as an actress a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I liked the show a lot. I thought it was like wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um and I love things set in like that area of the world. But yeah, I feel like it doesn't need a reboot. It almost needs like a new thing in that universe. Yeah, because there's like, so many more books like that say. they never covered. And there's so many right. more characters and storylines that they could investigate more. So, yeah. They need to call up your wife. Get some get some opinions on that. That's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I know the Bike Club show hosts have already convened to talk about whether they would come back. <laughs> it was Bike Club. Was that the name of the club in True Blood or that's just something? There was a club, remember, that yeah. they all would go to? I, I don't think that was the name of the club, though. Hmm, I think okay. that, I, but I can't remember what the name of the club actually was now off the top Fair. of my head. Uh, Mark wrote that Starlight Media is developing a TDV adaptation of Rebecca F. Kwong's fantasy books, including The Poppy War, which we read as a sword and laser uh, pick. Uh, the Poppy War is is very fight oriented. Uh, and, and so I would imagine that whoever ends up developing this is, is going to have to bring on some good martial arts folks because uh, they, I, that's pretty epic stuff that they would be dealing with. Yeah, but would be really... Very cool. Um, Starlight Media did. Oh yeah, they did Crazy Rich Asians and yeah. So they've got um, some. They've got some connections to some of the folks who do Wuxia, maybe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll bring on some cool people to do this. I think it w- it will be very cool, and it seems like the perfect thing to adapt. If you ask me. Oh yeah, no, it's got some really visual stuff. Some of it you may may or may not want to see, <laughs> understandably, but uh, but but good stuff. So I'm I'm hoping that comes. I hoping it gets done because it's just in development, uh, and I'm hoping it comes off well. Yeah, that's super cool. Wow, there's so much good good uh, development news today. Know, it's very right? exciting. Um, Jan wrote in and said uh, Disney is moving ahead with the adaptation of Tommy at. Adiemi's Children of Blood and Bone that was picked up by the Mouse House last year. The production is headed to Lucasfilm, who otherwise are only producing a lot of Star Wars stuff, and supposedly the fifth, fourth Indiana Jones movie. Uh, No details on casting or production yet. Um, That's very cool. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of good stuff for Tor.com, which is interesting. Yeah, right. Getting a bunch of good stuff going. Um, the, the children of blood and bone tells the story of Zelly Adebola who must bring magic back to her land. Um, so that's a great, that's a great premise. I haven't read the book. Uh, I'm aware of it and it's definitely something I would like to get to. Um, it really interesting that Lucasfilm is going to do it. Yeah. But I mean, I I think it actually makes sense because they, they do fantasy stuff. They do like epic fantasy and this is a really epic fantasy Oh, and it says that the screenwriter is, it has a new screenwriter who worked on This Is Us, which 
So, you oh, know, you're going to have some okay. good relationship stuff, yeah, which will yeah. be really nice. Um, that sounds cool. And I'm interested and excited to get invested in a new fantasy series, like a big epic fantasy series uh-huh. that isn't necessarily a world I know. You know what I mean? Like there's part, and I, I feel like this isn't a world that has been explored as much. Right, right. So that would be, um, that would be a, that'd be a fun thing to get, get your, wrap my brain around. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be fun to see the Lucasfilm folks get to stretch their wings a little outside of, you know, what they've been doing for, for decades. So that'd be interesting to watch too. Yeah. Cause Jan is correct. I feel like they are doing so much Star Wars, like yeah. all the Star Wars <laughs> stuff has been announced, which is like cool. I mean, for sure. But like, I, yeah, I would like to see them do something because they have the, the muscle, they have the, um, the power to do something really rad. Um, yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, moving away from TV and movies, uh, Mark uh, pointed out that uh, Takeshi Kovach fans might be excited that a new original graphic novel is coming in February 2021 called Altered Carbon, One Life, One Death by Richard K. Ooh. Morgan. Oh, that's so that's very cool. Um, oh, that is really exciting. I'm looking at the cover right now and it's very cool. I mean, not to get back to TV, but I loved the Altered Carbon TV show. Yeah, so. me too. <laughs> Very, that would be very exciting. Oh yeah. And it comes out in just a couple months. That's very yeah. cool. So Richard K. Morgan, of course, uh, because of the original story, but also Scott Brian Wilson and then art from Max Fuchs. Very rad. Definitely. will be adding that to my TBR in 2021. Uh, we did, we, uh, last year we did this thing where we were like, okay, these are the books we're looking forward to, you know, uh-huh. for the year. And I feel like that could be definitely on that could list. go on there. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, Mark wrote in also, uh, with 25 winter reads based on your favorite Star Trek character, the author of the article, Margaret Kingsbury has put a lot of thought into matching science fiction books published this year with Trek characters to come up with an intriguing list. Uh, you can also revisit her previous two lists, um, which we'll put links to the show. Wow. This is very exciting. Uh, have you looked through this? Do you have one that do you know your favorite Star Trek character and yeah, what book I, you would be paired with? I, this is so cool because I had no idea. Apparently, this is like a regular thing, like sci-fi books to read, classic sci-fi and fantasy, winter reads. Uh, so, yeah, I went to Catherine Janeway, uh, who's who's my go-to. And right. uh, the recommendation is a book I haven't read, In the Black by Patrick S. Tomlinson, about like spy satellites and defense fleets and stuff. Wow. There's By the way, there's such... One of my favorite books of the year was... Um, Max Berry's Providence, which is a mm-hmm. great space book, which is paired with Worf. And you know what? I'll take it. Sounds, that sounds, yeah. <laughs> it feels totally, totally about right. But yeah, there's such good books on this list. Do you have a favorite Star Trek character that you would go to? <sighs> you know, I, I, um, my D and D group last week played, um, instead of, we ventured away from our normal game and played like, um, a uh, Star Trek, like, role-playing uh-huh. uh, game for the evening. And I realized I don't know anything about Star Trek. <laughs> I know a little, but like I, as far as like all of, everyone knew so much more and they were making all these inside Star Trek jokes. Uh, and I was yeah. like, oh no. Um, <laughs> so I, I like, I'm looking through right now to see, I mean. Cause the, I mean, well, and the weird, the weird thing about this winter reads is that it starts with a lot of enterprise characters which are not that's not one of the more popular series and discovery right. characters so if you're not watching the new discovery right which uh, you're not. you wouldn't be as familiar right um so you kind of have to dig down before you find oh, okay there's kirk there's spock etc yeah i mean i like kirk for sure i'm i'm rewatching. uh i started rewatching this year um 
uh, Deep Space Nine. And oh, I'm I'm doing that too. That's so weird. Oh my god, well it's on it's on Netflix, right? So that's like yeah. kind of and it was on Netflix. I was in Bulgaria shooting a space show, and I was uh-huh. like, this is perfect. And because <laughs> when you're in like a foreign country, you don't get the same Netflix, and it happened to be both oh, right. here and in Bulgaria, which worked out well for me. Um, so that's the only one I was like, I could probably even name characters from at this moment. Like I said, my Star Trek is so limited. Don't tell my showrunner on that show. He would be very disappointed <laughs> in me. <laughs> well, there's so much to know with Star Trek. Yes. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like you can, you can know a lot and still have someone else make you look like you know nothing because there's just, it's so vast. They've been doing it for so long. And so uh, if you had to pick a deep space nine character, since that's something fresh in your mind, would you be able to pick one or is it just Worf? Cause he's got the book that you, that you like. maybe it's Worf. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very bad with names and I'm very bad at like knowing, <laughs> <laughs> like thinking about characters. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to go no with problem. Worf because I know I like yeah, this book with also. Worf. Totally fine. <laughs> I'm scrolling through by being like, okay. And it's like, like I'm matching Worf's myself to the book. Too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Very true. In fact, Worf's one of the longest lasting because he's one of the few characters. I think him and Chief O'Brien are the only major characters. And Chief O'Brien wasn't even a major character in Next Generation, but to like be in two different series. So, yeah, that's true. That is very true. See, this is oh. where my Star Trek knowledge is basically like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's give folks another uh, option for uh, finding good stuff. Trike pointed out the best reviewed sci-fi fantasy and horror of 2020 at lithub.com, which Trike calls the Rotten Tomatoes of books. Uh, and Beth sent us a link to a gift guide for the fans of science fiction, fantasy and horror books in your life over at The Washington Post. Yeah. And this is these lists are fantastic. A lot of these the books on this list were both on mine and Mallory's best books of the year. We just released that episode. <gasps> did we? Yeah. I can't remember if it got released, but I think it did. Uh, yes, it did. <laughs> it did. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, we record two at a time, so I never can remember. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, the, uh, a lot of these books were on our list or books that like, like I don't think uh, like Harold the Ninth or um, uh, The Only Good Indians actually like made it to our list, but we both really liked them, you know, so a lot of these were books that we didn't get to talk about, but are awesome books. But there's definitely some that we did. Yeah. I mean, the city we became, obviously, you know. Yeah. Good, good resources if you want to yeah. beef up your to read list. All right, let's move on to Bear Your Sword, our feedback from the audience. And uh, Bria, we know way more about Boxing Day now. We learned so audience. much. Wow. The, the, we got educated about Boxing Day. <laughs> we got multiple perspectives from multiple parts of the world. Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll run through uh, some of the highlights here. Tassie Dave pointed out that Boxing Day isn't just a British holiday. It's also a holiday in many countries of the British Commonwealth. So existing and former British possessions like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, South Africa. It's arguably bigger than Christmas in Australia because Christmas is traditionally just for your immediate family. But Boxing Day is the equivalent of Thanksgiving. It's when you get friends and extended family over for a family feast, which is usually a barbecue outside because in Australia it's summer. Right. Uh, it is also the biggest shopping day. So it's like Thanksgiving and Black Friday all in one. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All major shops have their biggest sales to get rid of excess Christmas leftover merchandise. And it's also the start of two of Australia's biggest sporting events, the Boxing Day Cricket Test and the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race. Wow. Okay. I don't know what that is, but sounds cool. 
And then uh, Phil said that Boxing Day is a holiday in Canada as well. And as Dave says, uh, Phil says, when I was growing up, it was the day we traveled around town seeing the extended family we didn't see on Christmas. And it's also a day of huge sales, similar to Black Friday. And finally, from Ruth in the UK, Boxing Day isn't much of a holiday in the UK. Maybe it was Hmm. different once, but now it's really just the day after Christmas and an excuse for a sale, meaning anyone in any retail-related role will likely be working. When I was little, I used to think boxing matches took place on Boxing (laughs) Day, and that was where the name came from, but apparently not. Wow, we just got educated, and if I learned nothing this year, I learned what Boxing Day was. (laughs) Yeah, now, December 26th, you can impress all your friends. But we don't have sales here on that day at all, right? No, we don't really do much on Boxing Day other than like have it be on some calendars where people go, what is that? Why is that on that yeah. calendar? Yeah, maybe we could go to some British sites and like, or yeah, British sites. And like oh, get yeah. Some, go, to, some sales. <laughs> go to the British British uh, online shops, get some deals. Um, yeah. A million years ago when I liked to, when I liked to, when I waited tables, I liked to work the day after Christmas because it is not a big shopping day but it's a big eating out day for some Uh reason people like do not want to eat leftovers and they go out to eat so you always make some good money day after christmas i always worked radio on christmas day and boxing day i always had to go in oh yeah yeah well that's okay someone someone has to do it (laughs) no tips but they tip well around christmas so that was like the best (laughs) that's good that's good um trike made us a 2020 sword and laser word search it's amazing. How it's, do you even make a word search? I'm so impressed. What What is the first word you see on here, Tom? Because that's going to determine what's going to happen right. to you for the rest of the year. Oh, my gosh. It's taking me a while. Um, I just saw Dune. I saw Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that, you think Does that count? Does that even count? I'm seeing names. Raymond Feist. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, 10,000 dodos. I saw 10,000 dodos. There we go. Okay. There you go. There you go. Wow. Something about that's going to determine. <laughs> oh, here's par- here's par- parable of the sower. Yeah. Uh, going to determine the rest of your year. Yeah. No, this is this is incredible. It's got authors, book names, uh, like just like words related to people involved with sword and laser, including like Tassie Dave. <laughs> uh, and in fact, <laughs> Tassie Dave has a a fake out in here. Like Trike did such a good job on this that Tessie Dave was like, you misspelled my name. And Trike's like, keep looking because there is a misspelled version, but there's also a properly spelled version. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Trike. I know. Right. This is so complex. Uh, really well done. Yeah. Uh, and then speaking of Tessie Dave, uh, Tessie Dave says, I don't think we got a definitive yay or nay on finding Baba Yaga, a short novel in verse by Jane Yolen as an official alternative pick. Mom, your show. What do you think? I was gonna, uh, I was gonna ditch my responsibilities. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Tom, it's your show. <laughs> I'm only here for a month. I can't handle the pressure. I can't make big decisions like this. Here's the thing: I'm such a slow reader. This is 144 pages, which I know is nothing. Uh, but I'm like, would I be able to to read it? But we don't always read as hosts the alternative pick. It's often just put out there for people to have an alternative. Uh, and but I, it's I actually think it's in po- it's in verse, so it's not like it's actually 144 pages. It's in like uh, that's it's like a po- true. It's like a it's a poetry book, basically. All right, yeah. Then then we're in. Okay, official alternative pick. Ah, nice. Okay, I cool. know we're halfway through the month, but yeah, 
Uh, if you're like, couldn't do it, gave it my shot, couldn't do Parable of the Sower, then yeah. Or if you want to do both, uh, Finding Baba Yaga, a short novel in verse by Jane Yolen. It's official. Perfect. Here. Yeah. Cool. Get my gavel. Uh-huh. There. What? What? What do you do with that gavel on other days? Like, that, <laughs> why do you just have a gavel? <laughs> it just sits behind me. It used to be a prop for another show, and now it's just sitting there. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. There we go. We've gaveled okay. in the decision. All right. Let's get to talking about our book of the month, uh, Parable of the Sower, Parable One by Octavia E. Butler. And uh, Bria, this is your second read. Is that right? It's at least my second read, but de- definitely uh, read it, you know. So maybe more years than ago. a second. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe for sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, and it's your first read? Yeah, first time through for me. We've we've read other Octavia E. Butler as part of Sword and Laser, but not this one, and I haven't got to it before. Yeah, um, and I think I said last time, I just read The Fledgling randomly, like two books mm-hmm. before this, like I was reading it. But um, uh, what was the other Octavia Butler book you read? Was it The Fledgling? I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, uh, no, I'm so sorry. I put you on the spot. <laughs> I think it was Dawn. Oh, Dawn. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I've also read Kindred, but not, I uh, don't yeah, think I read it for Sword and Laser. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've read them all, but like it's been 20 years for most of them. So, how are you finding it so far well, with the 28 were- <laughs> year space? Uh, well, you and I were talking uh, via email about this, and I find it to be very dark. Um, <laughs> I was shocked by how much it was bothering me because I read dark stuff. I love horror. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of horror. I read violent, dark stuff constantly. I watch horror movies. I make horror movies. Like this is my, this is literally my life. Um, But I was having a lot of trouble with this. And so ended up (laughs) uh, getting another book for the library just so I could like, I could read a chapter of Parable of the Sower before I went to bed, but then read a chapter of something nice before I went to bed. Um, <laughs> so that you you had something nice in your head. Yeah, yeah. I think you called it a book yeah. chaser, which I think yeah. is, is, it was good. Uh, it's And just shout out to that book, Book of um, Luck and Fortune. The author's name is uh, Roselle Lim. Um, and it's great. Um, it's um, gla- their glasses. The re- listeners of re- Reading Glasses have told me that one of my, something in my wheelhouse should be like magical realism food books. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what it is. So it's like fantasy ish, but food at the core. So it's a very like uplifting kind of book. Um, And that's been super helpful because I need to follow up (laughs) the darkness (laughs) of this, of, um, you know, catching buildings on fire and uh, uh, finding dead bodies and walking along a highway full of thieves. Uh, <laughs> out right? of my brain before I fall asleep because otherwise it keeps me up at night. Um, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, so um, not reading it before I go to bed, which I, you know, could uh, think was a, a nice brag of like, well, at least I'm not doing that, except I'm reading it instead while walking the abandoned streets of Los Angeles <laughs> at the very beginning of a lockdown, <laughs> listening to it on an audiobook with my dog. Uh, at least my dog's there. But yeah, I uh, we hit the part in the audiobook where they start walking right as the lockdown got stricter. And there was a morning where I, I took the dog out and I'm listening to this and there's no one around, like oh spookily God. no one around. And I'm listening to them talking about like walking through the abandoned. Uh, this is when she's like hiding somewhere in a, in a, like a, an abandoned oh, yeah, garage. Uh-huh. And then, uh-huh. you know, like someone would come out of their house and I'd jump like, uh, like, oh, 
Sorry. Um, yeah, that's a that's pretty frightening, especially because you're walking in LA, which is like which she's where talking the book about. Is set. Yeah, right. yeah. You're like yeah. the one on one. Like, oh, it's yeah, like down the street. It's right over there. Yeah, it's not that far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So the, I mean, on the one hand, uh, disconcerting <laughs> on the other hand, kind of cool in a, a Libra verite sort of way. Like it sure. added to the experience, Libra. made it, made it feel deeper and richer and as dark as it is. And and I'm not going to brush that off. It It is really dark. Uh, I think it's really valuable because the darkness isn't there for its own sake. The darkness is there to make a point. And like one of the things I, I think is really interesting, and we'll get into it when we do the wrap up, uh, is how much the society still is there despite it falling apart, right? Which I don't think I've read too many books where the society is in the midst of falling apart instead of being like, oh, yeah, no, it already fell apart. And right. we're dealing with the aftermath. Yeah, usually it's like, a straight up like post apocalypse where it's like mm-hmm. it there is tundra and nothing else. Yeah. Like it's right. just like the bomb n- went middle off of nowhere. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like society's rebuilt, like I'm thinking of like bannerless or something like right, that. Where it's right. like you have these societies that rebuild, they have a real rebuilt for the most part. But yeah, now we're in it's just like the breakdown of society. But what's happening is of course the main character is um considering rebuilding, thinking about ways to rebuild, which is interesting being in her head which is i think for me why it's not as dark because she her whole thing is she's like okay this is change god is change and i'm mm-hmm. i want to rebuild based on the fact that that god is change and there's and things are going to constantly be changing and so she's constantly thinking ahead which is how I would like to live i was literally thinking i was like i wonder if there are people who follow this as a religion no idea right. i should yeah. look this up um yeah I was thinking the I was thinking the same thing, like because I I know Earthseed is just kind of comes up from time to time. I, I've seen it come up uh, uh, in other places, and so I feel like I'm like, oh, I'm watching the origin story. Yeah, um, yeah, really. Um, it's 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 good though. I'm like I'm 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 not uh, I'm not upset by it. I can <laughs> I I can decide. Uh, to you know, maybe listen to a podcast and instead if the streets are too empty. But I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 having a good time looking through it. I I often will talk about how I like a book by how much I want to go listen to it again. Uh, there are mm-hmm. books where I have to assign myself to listen to it to get through. There are books that I like find time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back. I'm gonna you know l- listen to it. Uh, I'm gonna go do you know do some vacuuming so I could listen to it or whatever. Uh, this is this is in the middle. It's in the it's in the when I have time to listen to something, it is something I want to listen to, and I I've kind of pushed podcasts away sometimes because I want to listen to it. So it's I, I'm enjoying. Oh, that's it. good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in what the audiobook is like because I listened to Fledgling on audiobook, um, and mm. or kind of went back and forth, but um, I found it was interesting because uh, Octavia Butler's writing is so simplistic; like she keeps it very simplistic. And, um, I don't know if it made the audiobook kind of like difficult for me to listen to, I felt, um, mm. and, and this is also simplistic. I mean, not quite as simplistic as fledgling, but I felt like just like, it's almost like staccato her writing. Like it's very like, you know, sent like short sentences, like bursts of, of, of ideas, you know, like, but not, um, and and not super flowery language for the most part, which I kind of like. And especially like, that's exactly how 
this main character being like a young woman probably would would write, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Does it change on, on in the audiobook? Does it feel like too? I don't know. Too staccato. Too too simplistic. Or does it is pretty good listening? I I feel like I'm being told the story by the main character. Lynn hmm. Thigpen is the name of the the narrator. Uh, and she she just feels like she's that character to me. Like the performance is is really good. So I, I don't know if it's if the style of writing from Octavia Butler varied slightly or if she's just making more out of it. But yeah, I don't feel that staccato. I know what you're talking about and the simplistic mm-hmm. part of the writing, but it feels right. It feels like I'm hearing the voice of her. That's great. Good. Yeah. Well, let's get to some of the things that other folks thought out there. Lisa uh, posted, I thought it was an excellent choice. Very prescient. Full disclosure, I had started reading this book by chance before it was the December pick since I was done with Howl's very early on, right? Uh, What a coincidence. Uh, She says, I consider Butler and in particular this book as capital I important. I finished this one super early and I'm filling a few days full of quick reads. But starting this weekend, I intend to start Talents, the next one. Uh, I wish I had started reading Butler much, much sooner. She's an exceptional writer. Nice. Glad that Lisa is enjoying it. Yeah. And it, it makes sense if Lisa was already going to read it or was already reading it and and enjoying it, that that would that would stick. But I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, and John wrote in and said, uh, I really like the discussion of Parable of the Sower. I just finished the book and found it a downer. <laughs> Hearing Bria's enthusiasm made me reevaluate that. I always like it when people talk about why they love something. It was really interesting to hear why it was such an important book for her. Oh, that's such great feedback. You guys have such nice listeners. <laughs> I know. We're so lucky. We have good yeah. folks in there. Yeah. Because uh, there were some people that were were sort of like, mm, I don't know why you picked this. And and people explained it to them like, oh, you yeah. listen to the show. Like there's there's a reason and it's OK if you don't write it and, or if you don't want to read it. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I like I, I love that John was was sort of like, eh, you know, kind of a downer. And then you turned him around a little like you brought oh, a little good. extra perspective. Yeah. <laughs> this positivity will turn you around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul says, I was interested in Bria's take in the podcast about the saving grace of Parable of the Sower, although she didn't put it like that, being that it is about rebuilding or rather building something better than what has been destroyed. That got me thinking about other post-apocalyptic sci-fi that has the same kind of approach. The wonderful Station Eleven, Meg Ellison's Road to Nowhere trilogy. Uh, And then he asked folks to start putting in their own thoughts on this, and we got a great thread going on it. Oh, very cool. It's kind of like the, um, it's it's hope punk, right? Like, which is Mm -hmm. kind of about rebuilding. um, Yeah. Oh, interesting. Alas, Babylon. Just looking at the list that people are. Lucifer's Hammer, Emergency Skin. And Tassie yeah. Dave, Tassie Dave, who said it was a downer until he heard your enthusiasm, has moved straight into Parable of the Talents. So there you go. All right. I love that. Yeah. And, and I love, I mean, I don't know if y'all have talked much about Hope Punk on this show. I feel like Mike Chen is a really good writer uh, in that in that area. And Charlie Jane Anders sometimes talks mm-hmm. a little bit. I think they did a whole episode on um, her podcast about Hope Punk, uh, which is like that rebuilding sort of like futuristic like the world has like is not everything has gone to shit yet or uh they they're rebuilding from the shit uh which i feel like mike chen does an amazing job of with with his books where they're kind of uh a beginning of at the end is a really good example of that where it's like it's hopeful even though it's um (laughs) an apocalyptic book yeah we've talked about i think we've talked about hope punk we've definitely talked about solar punk 
uh, mm. which kind of goes right along with it. That sort of like climate positivity, uh, ah, where we, you know, how we solve the problem and, and learn to live better. Um, but it's a, and I think that's kind of a subset of hope punk itself. Yeah. Uh, Seth wrote in too to say the LA Times let me in once. So hopefully you haven't clicked on any other articles this month and can scroll through this. Oh, okay. uh, by the way, I love that that's me with a lot of things. Um, it's a really <laughs> neat slideshow about Octavia Butler and her relationship with the LA area libraries. Uh, there are images of some pages of her notebooks and other items from her papers that are now in the library's collection. I had actually already looked at this because um, I think my mother sent it to me, uh, knowing I oh, love really? Octavia Butler. Um, but yeah, it's such a, this is, it's very cool. Um, and the library, uh, Los Angeles public library had a whole, I think you can go to their website. I don't know if it's still up there, but they had a whole thing about, um, it's not as interactive as this one, uh, but, uh, about Octavia Butler. Um, oh oh yeah, yeah, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I didn't hit the, uh, I'm, I'm a subscriber to the LA times, but I always hit the paywall anyway for some reason and then i have to like scramble around to figure out how to log in uh and i didn't hit that this time so yeah i think this might be available for anybody oh good i i didn't hit it either and i'm not a subscriber so i yeah it's really cool um and it it is interactive which is so neat where it's like it goes it's like here's the map of la and here's where this is and here's where this is so definitely take a look at this um if you're reading the book or if you're not so yeah, cool. I mean, it, it takes you to things like libraries and bookstores that are, you know, important. Like Romans was apparently a favorite stop of Octavia Butler, and it shows you where it is. So cool. Yeah, Love super this. cool. Thanks for sending that. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for us this week. Thank you again, Bria, for co-hosting with us this month. Of course. It's very fun. And if folks want to find other things that you do, where should they go? Um, they can go to, well, reading glasses. You can hear on any place, just type in reading glasses and we come out every month. We're about to do, um, a crossover show with, um, the professional book nerds where we're talking about, um, uh, a Christmas Carol and, um, watching the Muppet Christmas Carol and comparing the two. (laughs) Uh, so check out that that'll come out, um, on the, on Christmas Eve, but you can also, any anytime listen to reading glasses and then you can find me on instagram i've left everywhere else let's see how long i last there uh <laughs> just, just bria grant and um if you do like horror movies if you like kind of scary movies not that scary uh check out 12 hour shift it's my movie i, I directed. highly recommend 12 hour shift i checked it out myself it was quite enjoyable yeah oh thank you thanks for yeah. thanks for watching it that's no, awesome of course yeah it was great i had a good time uh, so do that. I'm also looking forward to the Christmas Carol episode because I read that book every year. I love that book. Oh, cool. I actually, this is so weird. I was going to get it from the library and then I saw a podcast I listened to was doing a reading of it. Oh, cool. Like they, like the podcast coat, it's, uh, it's happier with Gretchen Rubin is doing, was just reading it on our podcast. So she has two bonus episodes where she reads it. So I just listened to her do it, which was super rad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had, I've never actually read it. Uh, oh. but it's exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I was nothing, not anything really surprised me, but I guess we'll talk about that on the podcast. Cause I've seen yeah, yeah, so I many iterations of it, you know, like it pervades uh, culture, right. Especially any culture that has Christmas, any even tangentially close to it. It's there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, folks, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to everybody who backs our show. And if you would like to support it, uh, you get some extra perks if you head to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. And you can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Great way to help people discover the show is to review us on iTunes. You can email us feedback at swordandlaser.com. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser and at goodreads.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.